is a type of medicine that trains your body to fight any foreign agents. Plants are helpful for the ecosystem. It's an electronic device for storing and processing data. The nervous system is all the collection of nerves in your body. Yeast is a eukaryote. Welcome to Spectacular Science, where it's all about science, with your host, Akshay. Ah, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake! Oh wow, what a beautiful day! Oh wow. You know, it just felt like I just went to sleep, and I woke up. And it's already 9 o'clock in the morning. Wait, what goes on inside of our bodies when we sleep? There has to be something going on, right? And what's the purpose of us sleeping? And why is sleep important for everyone? Wow, those are amazing questions. Who should I talk to to help me with this? Oh, I know. I should talk to Dr. Leah Irish. She's from North Dakota State University and she knows so much about sleep and why sleep is important for us. Okay, let me go talk to her. Let me just run to her sleep lab. Oh, running to her sleep lab. Oh, good thing it's just right across the street. Run, 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 run. Oh, 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 finally made it. Even though it was just across the street, it took some long time to get there. But finally, I'm here. Uh, where is Dr. Irish? Oh, I see Dr. Irish. Let me go talk to her. Hi, Dr. Irish. Hello. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm good. So can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, my name is Leah Irish. Um, I originally grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. And then I got my bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. And that's where I really started to get into science as more of a professional discipline. After I graduated from college, I went on to earn my PhD in experimental health psychology from Kent State University. And while I was there, I developed a research program that was focused on how trauma and stress impact our health, including health behaviors like sleep. And I got really fascinated with sleep in particular. So after I graduated with my doctorate, I went on to do a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine where I worked with the sleep and circadian group to sort of further refine my training in sleep research. And after that, in 2013, I moved to Fargo, North Dakota, which is where I am now. And I took a faculty position in the Department of Psychology at North Dakota State University. And I also, so I'm currently an associate professor there, and I also hold a scientist appointment at the Center for Biobehavioral Research at Stanford Health, which is also located here in Fargo. So my current research program focuses on sleep through the lens of health psychology. So I'm really interested in learning more about how our behaviors during the day might impact our sleep at night, how our sleep at night impacts our behaviors during the day, how we make decisions about healthy versus unhealthy sleep habits, and how people use different strategies to try to actually improve their own sleep. 
So I'm here in Fargo doing this work. I live here with my family, which includes my husband and our three boys who are ages 11 and then six-year-old identical twins. And my boys have listened to a few of your podcasts and they really enjoyed them. So we may have some budding scientists there as well. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So how did you get interested in science? Well, like I said, um, my major as an undergraduate was psychology, which is the scientific study of human behavior. And I think growing up, I always have been really interested in human behavior. That's not especially unique because we're sort of predisposed as people to find other people and ourselves really interesting. So it's not necessarily that unusual to wonder about, you know, why people behave the way they behave? Why do they make the choices that they make? Why do people act differently in different situations? But a lot of the time, we just sort of rely on our intuition or our um, our best guess as to why people act the way that they act. And when I became a psychology major, I started to learn more about all of the research that has been done using science to really objectively Um, and systematically understand human behavior. And I was just really excited to think that there was this sort of structured systematic way that we could get answers to those kinds of questions. Um, This also kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there's a lot we still don't understand about human behavior. Relatively speaking, psychology is a pretty young science. It hasn't been in place for as long as many other sciences. And so there's really a lot of interesting things left to discover. And through conversations with my professors when I was at um, UW-Whitewater, it just became really clear to me that this is something that could actually be my job, that I could spend my career being a psychological scientist who you know, works to study human behavior and that essentially I could get paid to do the kinds of things that I really love doing, which was to kind of wonder about human behavior and then actually try to answer those questions using science. Wow, that's very interesting. So now moving on to sleep. What happens inside of our bodies when we sleep? Yes, that's a really good question. Um, And it's funny because as you mentioned to me just earlier, um, we tend to go to sleep And then consciously, we're just not aware of what happens while we sleep. So you sort of feel like, well, I lay down in bed and then 10 hours later, I get out of bed and I've basically been doing nothing for all of that time. But actually your body does a lot while you're sleeping. It just sort of shifts into a different mode. So when we fall asleep, our brains essentially flip over into sleep mode. And that signals the rest of our body that it's time to do the kind of work that it doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to do during the day. So if you think about um, how, how things work when you're awake, we're constantly moving and acting and thinking, and we're under this kind of constant barrage of um, things in our environment that we see and smell and hear and have to react to in real time. So there's a lot of things that our bodies are just too busy to do while we're awake and moving around. It has to focus on functioning within the environment that it's in. When we lay down in our beds at night and we're safe and comfortable, that allows our body to switch to focus on some other kinds of functions. So there's a lot of things that 
um, happen during sleep that are really important. Sleep is thought to help promote um, restoration and repair in our key physiological systems, like our cardiovascular system, which includes our heart and our lungs, our immune system, which, which helps us to stay healthy and fight off disease, and our metabolic system, which helps us to bring in energy and process energy and maintain healthy energy balance. And um, specifically, some of the things that tend to happen during sleep is during many of the stages of sleep, we know that our breathing slows down and our heart rate slows down. So it essentially takes a little bit of that um, active wear and tear off of our heart, off of our lungs, and it allows for things like tissue repair or rest for some of those really important systems um, or recovery from damage that's been caused during the day. We also know that our muscles relax during almost all of sleep. And so our muscle tone is much more relaxed. It allows time for muscles to repair and to grow. Um, and again, to sort of repair some damage that has taken place during the day. We also know that during sleep, um, we release a lot of different hormones where there's a lot of different hormone regulation that takes place. And hormones are chemicals that occur naturally in the body. They're not harmful chemicals, like you might think of chemicals in you know, a cleaning product or something, but they're like naturally occurring chemicals that have a specific job to do for the body. So some examples are things like cortisol, which has to do with managing how we respond to stress, or hormones like leptin and ghrelin, which have to do with helping us to maintain a healthy appetite, where we eat when we're hungry, we don't eat when we're full, it helps to promote a healthy metabolism. And importantly, um, growth hormone tends to be released predominantly during sleep. And so um, for everybody, but particularly for kids, that growth hormone is really essential for muscle and bone growth and development. And so that activity during the night is really all intended to promote healthy function and um, healthy systems during the day. Wow, that's so cool. So what is the sleep cycle? Sure, so you may have heard about the sleep cycle and that is a way that researchers have sort of categorized the different kinds of sleep that people experience throughout the night. There are four primary stages of the sleep cycle that we'll talk about. And each of those stages has different kind of physiological characteristics. And also we think has sort of a different purpose. So the first one of those is called non-REM stage one sleep or just N1 sleep. And that is a really short stage and a very light stage of sleep. So that's the sleep that you might experience when you're just falling asleep at night. It's like the transition between being awake to being asleep. The second stage is called non-REM stage two sleep or N2 sleep. And during this stage of sleep, we start to get a little bit deeper into sleep. Our breathing slows down, our heart rate slows down, 
And we start to um, just establish that sort of deeper sleep. Following that, we have non-REM stage three sleep or N3 sleep. Some people refer to this stage as slow wave sleep or as deep sleep, but it's basically that what you think of as that really like deep restorative sleep. We believe that this is the stage of sleep during which a lot of things like growth happen and during which um, systems like our cardiovascular system are best able to work on restoration and repair. If you try to wake up while you're in this stage of sleep, that's when you wake up feeling really groggy, like you were so deep asleep and it's tough to wake up if you happen to get up during this stage of sleep. And then the final stage of sleep in the sleep cycle is called REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep. This is a really interesting stage of sleep. It is actually characterized by a rapid movement of the eyeball. So if you see somebody who's engaging in non-REM sleep, even though their eyes are closed, you can sort of see movement under their eyelids because their eyes are actually rapidly moving around. REM sleep is really interesting because many of the areas of your brain and also things like your cardio and respiratory function are very similar to the levels that you have when you're actively awake. For example, our motor cortex is very active during REM. However, our muscles experience sleep paralysis. And we think that the reason is to keep us from acting out what our motor cortex is telling us to do while we're laying in bed. This is the stage at which we believe most of the vivid dreaming happens. And we believe that REM sleep is really, really important to healthy cognitive functioning. So during REM sleep is when we believe a lot of things like memory consolidation happen, where you process information that you were exposed to during the day, and you remember things that are important, and you discard things that are unimportant. Um, this is a stage that's thought to be helpful to promote things like creative thinking or problem solving. And um, you can kind of think of REM sleep as like a brain housekeeping stage where your, your brain is sort of tidied up and cleaned up after a day of being exposed to a lot of different information. So the sleep cycle kind of progresses through these different stages in about 90 minute increments on average. And um, it shifts a little bit during the night. So at the beginning of the night, we start with a greater proportion of that slow wave sleep, that N3 sleep. And as you progress through the night, the proportion of REM sleep starts to really increase. So in the later part of the night or the early part of the morning is when we usually have the greatest proportion of sleep dedicated to REM sleep. And again, we believe that that has to do with kind of prioritizing the different functions of sleep. Well, wow, that's very interesting that so many things happen inside of us when we're sleeping and we just think that we're just laying in bed, but our body is actually working so much. It's really just amazing to think about that. So why is sleep important for a kids? Yes. Well, of course, sleep is really important to everybody, but we'll, we'll talk particularly about some of the main ways that I think it's really important for kids. 
One of those I had already alluded to is the fact that most of your growth happens during sleep, your bone growth, your muscle growth, your organ growth, um, all of that growth hormone that's released during sleep needs, you need to have enough sleep and enough good, healthy, deep sleep to um, allow that process to work. And so it's really important for kids. And you may notice that when you are in, let's say a growth spurt, like where you happen to all of a sudden be, you know, growing an inch or two very rapidly that you might be particularly sleepy. And that's essentially your body's way of saying, we need some extra time to work on this growth. So we're going to make you really tired so that you can go to bed for longer. (laughs) Um, So that is one of the key, you know, functions that's really especially important for kids. Um, Another reason I would say it's really important has to do with that Um, cognitive processing that we talked about that takes place throughout sleep, but particularly in REM sleep. Um, But, you know, if you want to make the most of what you learn, let's say at school or what you learn during the day, you need to give your brain enough downtime to process it. And that work really just takes place at night. Some of it takes place during the day, but you can see how being able to sort of stop focusing so much on what's happening around you and essentially allowing your brain to really just focus in on what happened earlier today really lets it do some concentrated learning and focusing helps your brain to um, develop connections between ideas. And so it really can help you just to make the most of the things that you, for example, are learning at school. And another thing that won't come as a surprise to anybody is that when you don't sleep well, you tend to have a lot more difficulty regulating your emotions. It is important to keep in mind that that is an actual phenomenon where when we don't get enough sleep, we have more difficulty in um, experiencing positive emotions. We're more likely to experience negative emotions. We're more easily frustrated. Um, We're more easily angered. And we have a lot harder of a time getting along with other people when we haven't had enough sleep. And so if you want to be a kid that is happy and healthy and gets along with people and learns well, you just need to have sleep because even though it happens during the night, it is really critically important to your experience during the day. Wow, I never knew sleep had so many benefits. I thought it just made you like ready to maybe just go to school. I thought it just helped you get some rest, but looks like it does so much more than that. So now that we know that sleep is really important, what are some tips you have on how we can sleep better? Sure. I think that the most important thing to keep in mind, honestly, is just to make sleep a priority. Because a lot of people don't really appreciate all of the important work that takes place during sleep, it's very tempting to cut our sleep short. And this is for kids and grownups alike. It is the last thing that we do during the day. And so we have a tendency to delay our bedtime so that we can do other fun things. But we have to make a conscious effort to make sleep a priority. Sometimes I have people who say, well, I don't really need eight hours of sleep per night. I only really need four and I'm fine. 
And I will say that that's an important idea to really kind of push back against. And I like to put it in this type of an analogy. So if you think about a, some kind of task or some kind of work that you do that takes a set amount of time. So let's say just as an example that one of your chores at home is to unload the dishwasher and it takes you 10 minutes to unload the dishwasher correctly, put everything where it goes and do a good job with that work. And then I said, okay, I would like you to now unload the dishwasher, but you only have five minutes and then you're out of time. You could probably do it, or maybe you could do part of it. Maybe you'd you know, not make it all the way to the silverware. Um, you'd probably do a much worse job. So you might drop a glass and break it. You might put things away that are still wet. You might put stuff in the wrong place. Um, and it, generally speaking, even if you can sort of do the job, you're not going to do it well and you're not going to do it correctly. You can't do 10 minutes worth of work in five minutes. And sleep is exactly the same way. We, it's really dangerous to think that your body, um, you know, which needs maybe eight hours or 10 hours or 11 hours, depending on your age, that you can just decide, well, you just do that same amount of work, but only in six hours or seven hours. You know, you're, it needs the time that it needs in order to do all of the functions that it has. So it's important to have the right mindset and the right attitude about sleep and to really value its importance. Um, another thing that I would suggest is to try to make sure that you have just a really healthy and consistent bedtime routine. And again, this is for kids and grownups alike, but it tends to be particularly effective for kids. So, you know, around the same time every night, have a routine um, where you start to engage in winding down for the day. Maybe you pack up your backpack, make sure everything's set for tomorrow so that you don't have to think about it. Um, take a relaxing shower or a bath, set out your clothes for the next day, read a book or whatever, engage in some kind of activity that you find relaxing and that you can do consistently sort of day after day. It just helps to sort of set your body and your brain to think, okay, we're gearing up for sleep. Um, in particular, I would encourage you to avoid any activities that are really stimulating right before bed. And screens is definitely one of those. So using tablets or computers or, or phones or watching TV. Um, there's a couple of reasons that screens are really problematic before bed. One of them is that they just are very engaging, right? They're fun. They're interesting. It may be connecting with other people. It may be that you're playing a game that you really want to level up on or that you're watching a show and you really want to watch one more episode. So they make it a lot harder for us to um, keep our commitment to that healthy bedtime. And also the light that is emitted from these devices can be a little bit disruptive to some of our natural um, like physiological indicators that it's time to go to bed. So I really encourage kids to Talk to your parents about the best way to use devices. What time should you stop using these devices? And also thinking about even after you stop using them, are they still disrupting you? For example, if you have a phone, you might be getting notifications even after you go to bed. So learn how to put your phone on do not disturb or talk to your parents about whether it's a good idea to keep your phone in a different room when you go to bed. So that's one that is really 
a common challenge for kids. And I just encourage everyone to be really proactive and thoughtful about making sure that they're committed to sleep and that they've made sure that their sleep environment is conducive to actually going to sleep. Wow, those are some great tips. I'm definitely going to use them when I go to sleep tonight. So what advice do you have for kids who are interested in science? Well, kids who are interested in science should really just embrace that that interest. Um, Be curious, stay curious, read a lot, write, take notes, learn how to make observations, um, think about how different things work together, uh, ask questions, and then think about how to answer those questions. Oftentimes, kids ask questions that don't have answers. Oftentimes, I shouldn't say just kids, everyone asks questions that don't necessarily have answers yet. And if you have one of those questions, don't just go, well, I guess we don't know, but think about, well, how could I find out? Even if you can't enact that plan, you know, how could I try to figure this out? So not just letting other people find information for you, but really getting out and taking an active role in finding things for yourself. Um, I encourage you to, you know, just continue to expose yourself to different perspectives. One of the really important things about science is our commitment to objectivity, which means that you can't always be right. You have to be okay with being wrong and you have to be okay with people disagreeing with you. So start practicing some of those skills now and really work to think about things from other people's perspective. And always look for the value in every interaction or or every new experience that you have. Just thinking about, you know, what, what did I learn from this? What can I take away from this? I think that's a very good way to really set yourself up to have that kind of well-rounded objectivity that you need to ultimately develop into a really effective scientist. Wow, that's some really great advice. Thank you so much for talking to me, Dr. Irish. I learned so much, and I'm definitely going to implement these tips into my next sleep. That's probably going to be tonight. I hope it's going to be tonight. I'm already really tired. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun to talk with you. Thank you so much. And now, time from my early sleep. I think it's a little too early. I think I should wait a little bit. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectacular Science. Spectacular Science is produced and hosted by me, OKJ Raman. Our theme song and additional music are by China Ramachandran. Thank you so much, Dr. Irish, for accepting my invite for this interview. I learned so much during this talk, and I'm definitely going to implement those tips that you told us in my next sleep tonight. I should start getting ready for it. Special thanks to Varn Ramachandran. Please visit my podcast website, SpectacularSide.com, to find interactive activities, blog posts, and all of our episodes. That's SpectacularSCI.com. Please subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you're listening right now. That could be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or Amazon Music, or anything else. Please subscribe and follow this show. This really encourages me and helps me keep making new episodes. Thank you so much. 
Remember to also sign up for the Spectacular Science membership. It's a free membership and you can get bonus episodes, activities, and the fact of the day, a fun science fact every day. Sign up at SpectacularSci.com membership. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you on the next episode of Spectacular Science. Bye!